Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message. Dr. Isian, so let's start with you. The influence of parents on career choices. I know that in some families, you have a long train of lawyers. And when you mention your name, I mean, everybody knows that, yeah, they would even ask you if you're a lawyer because you, you come from a family that is literally dominated by lawyers. In some families, they weave kente. And you'll find that in Bonnyra, you'll find children just weaving because it, it, it is a point of influence. But the question we're asking, entrepreneurship, do parents normally, entrepreneurial parents normally raise entrepreneurial children? And is this something that research has been done on, the influence of parents on their children's career? Okay. Thanks a lot, Albert. Um, with regard to research, I don't have empirical evidence for you right now, but I would say that because entrepreneurship is really about problem solving, in my opinion, you know, where you see some kind of need, you see some kind of opportunity and you take advantage of it, parents like that tend to do it such that their children watch it, it's okay, it's the norm, and so it's easier for them to follow in that vein. Um, in the same way, you go to a university campus and you'll find that many of the lecturers' children also become, you know, they also become academics. But I think the children who grow up seeing their parents do a lot of things because a lot of times you have parents who are serial entrepreneurs. They're doing this, they're doing that. The children get comfortable with the fact that it's okay. Right. You can actually go into different things. And entrepreneurship, for me, goes beyond the business. You know, it's the mindset. And so they develop that mindset, that attitude that helps them to, you know, look for solutions wherever they go. And so they may be chemists, they may be engineers, but the way they think, it's always about finding something, doing something new, taking risks, etc. So yes, I'd say there's a lot of influence that way. Actually, the research I read talked about the day-to-day decisions. So that kind of confirms what you are talking about. I, I look at my children and I realize that they have absolutely no fear of speaking in public mm. because they probably have seen it all their lives. Mm-hmm. Let me cross over to Irene, who is handling our entrepreneurial pillar in this whole discussion. Irene, you have been in the corporate world and you are now working as an entrepreneur on a number of SME projects. Let's find out from you. Did you have any parental influence in going? Interestingly, I do not think that at the time that I had my mom um, engaged in poultry farming things, I saw it as she influencing me. But from hindsight, I think it really has formed the basis for a lot of the things that I do now. I mean, it's actually your first point of apprenticeship. You are helping out in the poultry, you're feeding birds, you help with the sales, you actually look for markets, and especially when it's Christmas, my sister and I just couldn't stand it because we (laughs) needed to make sure that the birds are sold, they are broilers, the eggs are sold, you sort out various grades and things. And and from hindsight, I think that it's actually had a huge impact. But in my particular instance, I actually moved into entrepreneurship because of the challenges I was facing in corporate world at a particular time, combining raising young children 
and um, the corporate world was taking a toll on me because my husband is also a professional and we were always out of home and I thought what is it we're looking for if you get all the money and at what the sh- end of the day a woman? oh exactly exactly you know you can actually bring the bible into it eh? what does a prophet a family if you make all the money and you have wayward kids who will right. just run everything down right so at that point i thought look how do i ease myself out of the corporate world without really feeling the pinch of boredom and things so well it was a gradual thing so the challenges um working outside the country with children, um, having to look for a shuttle service to transport kids to school and pick them up was a complete nightmare. I mean, I changed shuttle service, I think, three times. I worked in SA at the time. And um, I had white, I had colored, I had black. And it was just frustrating. The, The straw that broke the camel's back was I was in a meeting in Nairobi and I get a call from the school the kids haven't been picked up wow what do you do Fly from Nairobi <laughs> you know so for me that was it so with the challenges that I had faced I thought look there's an opportunity out there you can actually offer that service for those who are not in a position to exit immediately how do you make their lives easier so that's the genesis of IP consult and then um reading services so ip consults i trained as a marketer it would ensure that i still have that and i'm still exploring that area and then really looked at the services i could offer working mothers right so if i understand you right you used your own pain your own frustrations as a springboard for setting up a business that would help people who are struggling with some of the same things that you were struggling with when you were in the corporate world. Exactly so. Right. Exactly and, so. And, and just for the benefit of our listeners, which industry were you in? I was in the fast movable consumer goods section. I worked with Unilever right. for over 13 years. Right. And you crossed over into banking? And I crossed over into banking because at the end of the day, what are we offering? Fast movable consumer solutions. And right. then the other is a service. But the right. principles are the same. Right. So it was fairly easy to do the banking. But that was when I wasn't too sure whether I should exit immediately or do a gradual thing. So crossing over into banking, I headed up the marketing department. It was a contract job. So it allowed me to do my corporate stuff, but three days on my own terms, flexible hours, and then towards the weekend I could handle the other things and then I also had people who would do the day to day stuff in terms of running around and making sure things are running well Right. how do you raise the funding for your project? That's an interesting one Um, I actually believe in saving so whilst in the corporate world it was a key thing that I did I set money aside and interesting enough one of the things that I did was whilst in the corporate world I always said to myself by 40, I should have something I'm managing myself. So I started putting my business plans and things together based on the experience I'd had with raising young kids and the challenges that come with it. And then I set money aside for the purpose of that. So a bit of money from my own savings and then from friends. Right. 
We'll talk about money. Let me let me cross over to Charlotte Forson, who's who's handling our our financial vehicle tonight. I mean, the issue of of money savings brings me to the idea that many people, when they are told to raise money themselves, either for an entrepreneurial venture or to build their own net worth argue that, listen, the money I have is not even enough today. How can I raise money? What would be your response to that, Charlotte? Um, well, I guess, uh, thank you very much. I would say that um, money seems to be the lifeline of everything in our world nowadays. So money answers all things. Though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is very critical, actually, when it comes to building your own business and stuff like that. Um, some people are lucky to be born with, um, should I say, a platinum spoon in their mouth, like the Duke and the Duchess of um, Cambridge, they had their son. He just didn't have a gold spoon in his mouth, but a platinum one. Many of us find ourselves in situations where we have to build our own money. Maybe your parents may not have had, I mean, money when they were growing up. First generation hustler. Exactly. And so you have to do a lot of things by yourself. What is um, critical at this point is you remaining focused. And then once you know what you want... You may not have to necessarily go into the business right from the start. You may have to, let's say, work under somebody or in a company. And whilst there, like Auntie said earlier on, you can save a lot of money. And then you can um, build from that angle. Or you can find out what you want as a person. Many of us have hobbies. And some of these hobbies can bring us money. You can start doing the little, little things like selling water, selling biscuits, a small shop on the side, you maybe have your own company and be doing that kind of, and raising the money little by little. That's the basic one. Right. The very basic one. And then um, you can look at the other option where if you are lucky to come from a home where there is some money, you can borrow from your parents. Not um, saying that you, because they are your parents, you are taking it and they're not paying back. No. Actually, you'll fail in your business along the line if you do that. You should be somebody who is committed and focused. You should be. You should have integrity as well. Once you borrow from them and you know you are going to use this to generate some more income, it's a good source of income for you. And then from the parents' aspect or from family aspects, you don't really have to pay a lot of interest. Even if you pay interest, it to be a very soft loan and then you get on with that. If you so borrow from your parents it. and you don't pay, please believe me, the bank should never lend you money because you you are not trustworthy. So let's talk about education, preparation. <clears throat> Some, sometimes the debate about education gets narrowed to what institutions offer. But today we want to ask, what can the individual do? So let, let me ask my guest, Araba Butri, Araba of Ashesi University. Araba, tell me your own personal experience of development and, and and let's discuss it must it be about the institution about or about the individual can a person grow up in an environment in which yes the institutions are not providing maybe the quality that you want but by your own choices you can place yourself at an advantageous position let's, let's start with your own personal journey education okay thank you albert um i had some interesting um, challenges during my undergraduate years at Legon, an interesting experience that brought me to a point where I took a decision that every two years, um, that's the longest stretch I would go to upgrade my knowledge and in addition to upgrading the knowledge get some certificate to show that I have upgraded my knowledge. So I believe that irrespective of where you go, where, uh, which institution you attend, 
it behoves on you as an individual to take responsibility, to take charge of your educational progress and decide that this is what I have been given. What do I make of that? And so you, do, you cannot end up blaming any institution. Beyond the basics, after all, the universities are supposed to train us to be open-minded and to be able to stand on our own. But beyond that, how do you stand out among your peers? How do you progress and make sure that you're happy with yourself? It doesn't lie with any institution. It's up to you to do that and make sure that you're constantly upgrading your knowledge and your breast, if not ahead of your times. So you, you think that you took you had a personal strategy of developing yourself and you had actually had a timeline and said every two years you add one more block. Is it because you are in education that you chose that route or you think that everyone can have that kind of perspective where you say, listen, every two years I add one more block to my educational development? Um, I didn't start off straight away in education, no. Um, I started off actually in sales and marketing and at the time I started, um, that was in 1992, I had done my national service and I walked to Shangri-La Hotel at that time mm. and said, okay, you guys don't have a marketing department, I want to start one. I had no clue because I needed to work. I needed. So then I started and then I, I mean, whilst um, I somehow got the job um, with the help of some friends and so straight away I went to GIJ. At that time, they had these short courses on marketing and public relations, and that's where I started. Because I knew this was a job I had, I had started, but I didn't have the um, requisite training. I didn't wait for anybody. I got into training myself, right. and that was when I started. So each time I moved into something, I made sure that I had the needed training for that or even went beyond that till right. I got into acad uh, academia. It's not because I started with education. And my understanding is that your job as director of development is actually almost like marketing in academia. Thank you. Interesting. <laughs> Let me cross over to AC and talk about this mix. I mean, mm. just to pick up from where she left mm. off, you're talking about career preparation. And she's saying, listen, look around you, find a job that needs or an opportunity that is there that nobody is taking and offer your services and then build capacity to meet the challenges in that place. Would you call that the the model that people should be looking at because when you, you talk to people they say listen there are no jobs available there are this the stress in the system should people be looking at this approach where you look at an opportunity or a need that is there that nobody's meeting offer your services and then just build capacity as you go along okay um definitely you know one of the things that a lot of people get discouraged by is you want to enter into a new space and you are told oh there's no market meteorology for what psychology for what but at the end of the day where there's no market that is your opportunity I can't think of 10 years back where we had pet grooming services in Ghana Right. but now you have a growing middle class so those who look at it may be told oh come on that's silly but you started and people will bring their poodles and that's an opportunity and then also people say oh there are no jobs there are no jobs I, I, I beg to differ I vehemently differ uh, when it comes to that, because I recruit people for companies. There are times when you post the jobs and people do apply. A lot of people will send in their applications, but when they come, everything from even the CV they present, and then when they show up in person, sometimes you need somebody to go work as a business development person. Corporate polish is zero. Um, English language sometimes is a challenge. Writing skills, 
um, just even the self-confidence to be able to engage somebody and persuade somebody, it's, it's not there. And so I really disagree when people say there are no jobs. There, there are jobs out there. There are many people. But the fit, the, the combination, you know, it's just, it's just not there. <laughs> doesn't mean that you should just fold your arms and sit back. No. What it means is you figure out, being very honest with yourself, ask yourself, what is it that I lack? And how do I build up? The jobs are there. It's just that you may not be the right fit. There are some jobs um, we struggle to recruit for. Sometimes they're more technical roles. Um, there are certain professions where they're not really aggressively looking, so it's just hard to get them. Um, but that said, there are many entry-level roles, middle career roles, but people come in and they are not prepared. Um, if I'm sending somebody to a client, I want the best. I want to send the strongest candidate. So if you come and um, you can barely answer a question directly, you keep digressing. You come and the way you present yourself, what you're wearing, it's supposed to be a professional interview. You come with, you know, jeggings and you come with your hair all over the place, etc. What we do is actually to coach people. Once they come and we're done with the interview, tell them, look, next time you're going for an interview. First of all, you won't get a job. At least you dress well yes. next time. <laughs> you know, and sometimes people come in and it's as simple as people coming in and they haven't even done research. You know, so it makes me, uh, it makes us hesitate because... If you haven't done any search about this, how do I know you take the initiative when you're hired to engage in research? Your boss sends you to find information on the cost of shipping something to the U.S. And you sit there, ah, I don't know where to go. Uh-uh. <laughs> we need people who are quick on their feet. They're able to take the initiative, what people would call soft skills. So the, the book knowledge, the degree, the certificate is never enough. It's um, what you get to go in addition to that. So you have the head knowledge through the degree and the diploma, but the skills and the, the, the passion for it, the heart for it, the ability to uh, use if you answer. You know, if your boss tells you, I'm busy, I don't want to be disturbed, and you go and stand there and tell somebody, my boss said he's not there. You're not applying if you answer. So little, little things like that matter when you need to secure a job. It is important to note that the the dynamics are very different from what you probably knew years ago. It basically just drew my attention to something I've been thinking about for quite a while now, that the number of jobs, if you look at the, the profile of jobs available and businesses available in the system now, many of them did not exist mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And as the middle class continues to grow, I mean, you will find massage parlors, mm-hmm. things that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, stress levels are flying through the roof. And so yeah. you can drive 100 meters and you see another one mm-hmm. and the demand for things that did not exist before. Mm-hmm. Um, Irene, you are providing services for... Last week, I mentioned to my guests that we are getting to the point where you are talking about outsourced parenting. And they burst out laughing. That's off camera. They just burst out laughing that I said outsourced parenting. Mm. But Irene, you are providing shuttle services. Give me a sense of what it entails. And you will find out whether you are really, people are outsourcing their children (laughs) to you to parent or not. It's very interesting that you bring this up because it's actually happening probably on a very low scale. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it. Yes, it is happening because what we do is not just shuttle service. We actually do have kids that we pick up who parents cannot immediately 
take the kids from us and therefore we need to ensure that there's homework assistance mm-hmm. we help them with their homework those who want to undertake extracurricular activities they probably want to go play tennis you just drive them over to a tennis place so that they can go play tennis probably swimming and get them to go swimming so we are actually doing that and then there are some who come in and sometimes parents even forget <laughs> to pick them up <laughs> so you give them a shower and then you give them their dinner and then probably get them to sleep. If it's too late, they probably can't pick them up in the morning and drop them back at school. <laughs> so it's actually happening, especially when you have both spouses in the corporate world and Kwame expects AC to actually do the picking up. And AC thought Kwame would leave the office earlier and probably do that. And they both don't do it. And they get home very late. Does it happen quite a bit? Um, it's not often, but you do have it happen every now and then. And and then you call and you just say to know, look, it's too late. The kid is asleep. Don't come and disturb the kid. Okay. But it's twenty four minutes exactly the, uh, happening. of eight o'clock and if you just heard it for the first time, well, there you go. Outsourced parenting. And someone will just cross their legs and say, This is irresponsible, but I'm telling you something. In today's world, the di- there's a marked difference between the world as you knew it. I mean, I can imagine a young lady getting ready to go to her marital home and her parents saying, listen, make sure that by the time your husband comes home, you're ready, you've taken your bath, you've dressed up, you serve him dinner. Now, the husband is closing <laughs> two hours before the woman closes. What are you talking about? It's just absolutely different from what we knew many years ago and so i'm not surprised that you say this our source parent i know it, it involves handwriting services and all it's, kinds it's, of it's things it's actually very interesting there are instances where you would expect grandparents to help her but mm-hmm. these days we probably are living further away from them yeah. so they cannot be of much assistance unless you decide to leave the kids in their care completely and if you're unfortunate and your mom or your dad is not alive then what do you do? You need to, like we're saying, outsource parenting. So you take the kids out there to support you. I don't see it as being irresponsible, but sometimes it's just something needs to give. If you have a presentation, you really tied up and things, I bet you will slip on some of these things. But at least if there's someone to offer that service and do it very well, why not? And so those are the ideas you should begin to think around. What? What needs are there in the marketplace? What are people craving for and complaining about? The more people complain, the more you should see opportunities to create solutions and get paid for them. And as long as you get paid, why not? I'm sure Irene gets a few bucks for the services that she renders and she doesn't apologize or, or complain at all. But it's more about offering relevant solutions and getting paid for them. And to find those kind of solutions, you need to think about the needs that are in the marketplace and how you can meet them. I want to cross over back to the financial desk in all this and talk about lifestyle a bit. Because sometimes, really, I mean, you say, yes, some earn more than others. But I found out one of the mysteries of life, that sometimes lower income people spend more on gadgets, spend more on things to show off than even their bosses in the same workplace. Why does the person who ends, who is on the lower lower end of the of the salary ladder want to have the latest iPhone and the latest iPad and the Z pad and the Y pad and the, and even when they have one they want the latest edition to show that they have arrived. Charlotte, let, let's 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 talk about it. Is is it a reality and, and, and what should we do in circumstances like this. Thank you again. It's really um, what is something that is happening now. 
somebody will have um, Blackberry Z10 I also go for a Samsung tablet. Meanwhile, they can do basically almost the same thing. Mm. I'm not an IT person too much, but at least there are certain functions that both of them can do. And you don't really need both of them. I think what is happening is that because we seem to be um, in competition with each other, but it shouldn't be so. Because you are an individual and you must have your own goals, you must have your own focus and what you want in life. It's not really about what the the bosses are enjoying. How did the bosses get to the top there? They also made some sacrifices and some hard work. That is what we need to look at critically in our lives. You have one bedroom, two bedroom house. You are comfortable. You have maybe you have just a kid with your wife. You should be content with that one, and then focus on the bigger picture. For for all you know, you are renting that space. Why don't you think of getting your own place? You need to cut down on certain things. All these funerals that we have in town, for example, yes, our loved ones are dear to us. And sometimes I feel that it's because of guilt that we tend to spend so much money when, I mean, a relative passes away. They ignore them in their life. <laughs> yes, because, <laughs> thank you very much, we, are, we ignore them and then we try to make amends. But unfortunately, they may not be able to see what is going on, true or false. That's another debate altogether. But we need to look at our priorities. Instead of spending so much on some of these things that are quite trivial, we need to be focused. And then once you know what you want, you start saving towards it to get it. The big thing is to have your priorities set out and to have a plan. And the plan must be that, listen, if I'm poor today, maybe 10 years' time, I want to build little by little. If, I, if I'm not there, I will set out a, a a program that ensures that I will get to the place that I want to get to. And that is the kind of debate that we are having. The question I asked you earlier on was about whether entrepreneurial parents raise entrepreneurial children. And I want to know what you think. You see, speak briefly to the issue of parents and the career choices of their children. I know it's, it's one big issue. I mean, I spoke to a parent yesterday who said, I, uh, last week, who said, I reluctantly allowed my Brilliant daughter to go into theater arts, but surprisingly, what she has been able to do, I find myself scratching my head saying, how did she do it? And I know it was a gamble in quotes, but it's paid of that kind of courage. How does it come? When you think your child should be in medical school or some engineering school? Talk to me. So hold on a second, please. Let me just get your microphone. All right, go on. Very simply, passion breeds excellence. So if your child is passionate about something and you encourage them, they're most likely going to excel there. You may force them elsewhere, they are smart, but when they get there, they don't perform as well because there's no motivation. And so what you need to do is to allow them to go into that area and then you give the guidance so that if they want to go into sports or they want to go into entertainment, you help them with the business angle of it. You make sure that they have that understanding. You make sure that they also still get educated. So it's not about throwing the books away. They still get educated so they can handle their own business. I'm sure if Mike Tyson had taken better care of himself, he would be wealthy by now. You know, so very important that parents allow your children to fly, you know, go whatever direction. And once you give them that liberty, sometimes you can actually negotiate and say, look, I'm going to allow you to follow your passion in sports, but here are a few parameters. You still need to do this. You still need to do that. Excel while you're in school, and I'll give you all the freedom to do it. And they'll excel and shock you. One argument that I had from somebody very passionate was that if you had seven children you could gamble <laughs> the person said if you have seven you, you could gamble but you have you have only two and, and if you get it wrong I mean these are real real 
issues that people are dealing with and, mm. and you, 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 they, can, they can tell you that what you are telling them is theory I mean mm. if you have only one child you want to make sure that child doesn't mess up and that child sometimes can't convince you that what they are saying they know what they are talking about Albert you have a, a thought on this right um, Albert I have only one and she wanted so badly to do she said BT and I was like what, what is, is that BC? building technology mm. and at one point, she so much wanted to act, go into acting. My father acted, so I said, okay. Um, the genes jumped over me and maybe got to her. I had to get to a point to sit her down and say, okay, let's strike a, a deal. Start with acting as a, um, a hobby. Mm-hmm. So right from Form 1, when she went into Wesley Girls, every speech day she was on stage acting. She loves to sing. That is a hobby. Mm-hmm. But then get your degree, get a profession, do the others. And if you choose after getting a profession to focus on your hobby, I'm fine. But then follow your passion. Mm-hmm. At a point, I wanted her to do architecture. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, that was more prestigious mm-hmm. than BT. She said, no, I had to call Irene's husband. You remember? <laughs> I said, can somebody okay that's not my field so one one, one option is to call somebody who's a professional, professional. in that field mm-hmm. to counsel them Thank and to work through with them and and that's one option that we sometimes don't explore right. getting mm-hmm. somebody who's on the ground in that mm-hmm. field to be able to interact with them and help them mm-hmm. the children of today are quite assertive much more than we <laughs> we were uh, in our time and so let me find out in all that you do i mean you are into education you are in entrepreneurship you are in finance you are um in education as, as well as um, human capital development how how did your stint at Wesley Girls contribute to what you do today? Because let's face it, people queue to take their children to Wesley Girls. Everyone wants their children to go to a particular school or another. Mm-hmm. Do these institutions contribute in themselves? Let's find out what experience mm-hmm. personally, let, don't give me a theory, personally, mm-hmm. what experience in Wesley Girls helped mm-hmm. form your thoughts or positively influenced your career mm. development? Um, two things. One, we were taught very emphatically, always compete against yourself, never against others. And for me, that was very, very critical so that if I, while I was in school, if I made any particular grade, the next semester I had to do better than that. I didn't look at anybody else. I was my own competition. And that was constantly drummed into our heads. The other thing was, I mean, um, in the mornings and then on Saturdays, we had the scrubbing, the everything we had to do, housework. And um, we were told, look, don't bring in distinctions in the classroom and forget the distinction level outside. So when you are scrubbing, scrub distinction level. When you are wiping, wipe distinction level. And so you come out thinking, look, I can't compromise in any other way. And for me, um, the fact that you'd clean somewhere and think, oh, this is just sparkling, spotless. And your housemistress will come and look at it and say, mm, this is not good enough. You have to. This is not distinction level. And for me, that that push that drive to actually just go as far as you possibly can has helped me all the way up to now. Right. So I'll do yourself. Compete against yourself. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, anything you picked from Wesley Girls? Yes. In Wesley Girls, the structures worked and they mm-hmm. still work. There is no way you could do something bad and thought you could get away with it. No. It didn't happen. We also thought that um, in life, you need to be a disciplined person. Rain or shine. If you have to go for lectures, you have to. Whatever program has been drawn. Um, the rainfall didn't stop the teacher from coming to classes. 
and you were you know we're supposed to leave class because of the rain you were supposed to set out your lifestyle in such a way that every time you are ready to do go on to this program and on to that program and it set me to be um, quite a disciplined person if I must say because you know that you can't just say that because it has rained or because of the weather or I'm not feeling well like no you have no right to do that mm. you have to do what you're expected to do and then do it right as well right. no mediocre standard you must be excellent in everything that you did and that's what keeps driving me. Left pure, speak true, right, right wrong, wrong, follow, follow the king. Follow the king. <laughs> Irene, tell me, what, what, what about Wesley Girls affected you in your entrepreneurial or in your business and, and professional development? For me, it's been believe in yourself. We were made to believe in ourselves, that you're capable of doing everything and anything if you set your mind to it. And mm. that has lived with me. Um, I happen to be the house prefect during my time before I left. Were you a difficult person? Um, Compton, Block K. Mm. (laughs) So for me, it was taking care of younger children and making sure that things were done right. And I can see it actually impacting what I do now. I take care of people's children. And you want to make sure there's a first aid kid on the bus so that if anyone should get injured, at least you can clean the wound and ensure that you've offered the first aid that is desired. And if there's a need to take the person to the hospital, you follow up with taking the person to the hospital before calling the parents. Right. So you calm the person down. Right. You don't go immediately saying that this has happened to your kid. Mm. And that was because of the experience I had in Wesley Girls, taking care of other people's children. I mean, I was a child myself. I mean, sixth form, you are what? 17, <laughs> 17, 18. Yeah, and you have 10 years and 11 years that you have to take <laughs> care of and make sure that things are done right. So right. it's believing in yourself, knowing that you're capable. I'm sure you've heard people say that they are too known. Gay hip hop. They do. They really do. I'm sure they do. They still do. Oh, no, no. The guys who yeah, say that. Like are it. you married to a gay hair girl? Yeah, Goodness me. How do you deal with it? Oh, really? I'm sure that you know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, tell me what about Wesley Girls influenced you. And I'm having a wonderful time this evening, my friends, from Wesley Girls. Let me right. I think just as my colleagues have said, there was. We had a terminology, um, it's a new dig yo hey. meaning believe in yourself. When we were <laughs> early 80s, we had that, so it was like believe in yourself, it's a new dig yo hey. That was something, but uh, beyond that, I think the seven years taught me how mm. to relate to people on different levels. You get to form one, and there's six levels ahead of you. The way I related to the form two girl was totally different from how I related to the form five girl and the upper six former. Mm. You get to form three, you're relating to form two and form one, still had people ahead of you till you get to upper six. So, and from three, form three, you go to, through confirmation, you, and then it becomes a rise of passage, you know, transition to senior. So, you, you, you learn to respect the cleaner. You learn to respect the boss. Anybody you come into contact Mm. with is important. So you don't differentiate that it's only my boss. I think that's what it taught me, to relate to people on different levels. Mm. And I think that I'm a people's person. Everywhere I've worked is people-related. And I think that training has really impacted on me. 
As I draw this program to a close, let me remind you that when we go to school, it's not only about the curriculum and the course outline. It's also about the friendships. It's also about the things that we learn from scrubbing and from being reminded over and over and over again that it's an odigiohi. I like that one. I think it's a very special one. I'll carry that with me from tonight. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 You may also subscribe to amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching, searching.